solving I turn and not get too involving Cause thing I see you often It's cool but I'm exhausted I'm finna slide just see what's popping Then you and I just get to talking Black hoop my top was dropping I know that you lie when I feel you rock it I got all this money but I don't know what it means Bitch I came for nothing this ain't really what it seems I don't come have been waiting for you to come back on for our most viewed episode they've been they've been excited how are you doing man i'm good thank you how are you guys good oh you know hanging into this market surviving dude i I love this market i can't even (laughs) i can't even lie about it to be honest you embrace the chop i just the chop yeah uh or the range i think uh if you're in the right place the range has been exceptional um you know again i'm not overly trading in it here and there because i'm just kind of uh you know still doing my own personal thing um but um yeah the range has been exceptional in large caps uh, from what i can see um however um that's going to uh contract so it'll it'll get a little more the chop's going to get a little choppier agreed we need to talk about we need to talk about right off the bat we got a chart to talk about that tulip mania chart. I know that you wanted to bring it up some point in this, this conversation, but we're at the part where it's the bull trap, man. We're literally at that part in spy where it runs completely up and then dips down because it's, it's that delusion greed, um, the new paradigm of, Oh my gosh, like spy never goes down. We already had that. And then it started to dip. And now there's the bull trap happening where everyone thinks everything's coming back to normal. And then if anyone knows what that chart looks like, it's a straight knife completely down after the fact where everyone, where we, we go back to where we need to be, where, where things are actually valued correctly. Right. So, um, yeah, if you, if you take a peek at, at the SPY from the V recovery um, back in March of 2020, um, and then you look at where we've kind of, uh, the market struggled from a macro viewpoint, uh, uncertainty, uh, we know quantitative, e- they're, they're going to collapse quantitative easing, um, stimulus checks are done. Um, and we're also looking at the uncertainty of a fed who, who, in my opinion, doesn't know what the hell they're doing. Um, it was very evident in Powell's talk, uh, uh, I think a week or two ago, um, and he slipped up and then the other Fed directors or chairs slipped up uh, this week and last week as well, too. And they kind of showed their hand unintentionally. Um, this uncertainty, the market doesn't like it. Uh, and the market doesn't like the fact that free money is gone. Um, so what what's what's freaking me out a little bit when i look at spy and it's part of the reason why i backed away from trading too that you know the market needs to figure itself out um you know there's always something to trade but you don't have to you don't really have to trade um every day you, you can walk away from a bit 
Um, and so when I when I look at the, the the spy chart specifically, you see this dip we've had since uh, I'm pulling it up now, 115, and we dipped down literally in two weeks. It, it looks like as much as I don't want to say it, I was thinking we, we'd um, have a longer, uh, more extended bull trap period. Um, but we might have exhausted the bull trap and we might be for um, a precipitous uh, downside, which would then take us back to after an aggressive capitulative move down, we'll, we'll go back to the median. And I think going back to when you look at it from a macro standpoint, there's two things that are that are going to happen here in the next month, a um, few weeks, actually. Uh, I think it's a little over a month. Um, we have CPI. Uh, CPI for me is, is going to be the make or break for the Fed. Uh, the Fed cannot continue to be dovish on when they're going to take rates. Um, the, in my opinion, they should have taken rate in January. They, they literally dropped the ball and fucked up by not taking the rate. There's no reason that they shouldn't have taken a half a point. And I know some folks are saying that's too aggressive. It, it's not too aggressive. If we continue this path, we're going to have $5 loaves of bread and 10 gallons, uh, $10 gallons of milk. And gas is going to cost you eight to 10 bucks a gallon too. That's uh, not sustainable. Uh, we'll end up like a uh, uh, Venezuela where it's just everything, all shit hits the fan. Um, and so I think theoretically, um, regardless of what CPI is, I think there is some easing on supply chain and some easing on inflation. Um, however, that hasn't been passed to the consumer. You can see it when you go to the grocery store. Um, it blew me. Uh, my wife does a lot of the shopping and I went the other day and I, I, I literally it's almost nuts. had Ridiculous. a heart attack at the register. Yeah. And I'm like, this was fucking $200. And I'm like, yep. I'm not buying filet mignon and lobsters. This is just basic <laughs> household goods. Yep. You know? And I'm just like, what in the flying F is going on? Um, and so I think, I think the question then is what does CPI look like? And then does the Fed remain dovish or they do they just say, fuck it and just pull the trigger on this market and let it happen. Um, and I think they need to pull the trigger and let it happen. You know, ideally, you know, if they're going to do it in March, um, you know, ideally they just need to get off their ass and do it sooner. I'd um, hope so. That they're not. I mean, I'll be pointedly honest. Um, and then the real question is, do they do a half or a quarter? Do they do a half or do they get real fucking ballsy? And I mean, I, I would love to see it. Just do a three quarter point race shock the market and, and let it rebalance itself. We're in a free economy. It will rebalance itself. It's structured to do that. Um, you're going to shake out the crap that needs to be shook out. Uh, it's going to be the great reset. Um, you know, then everyone's afraid about recessionary fears. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. We're in a recession to some degree. They will never tell you because the numbers don't align to what the definition is. We are in a recession. You are seeing job contraction in the marketplace and jobs being peeled off the board. It was evident in today's jobs numbers. This is not Omicron related. This is related to what is happening in the overall U.S. economy. And it's, you know, either you fix it and you stop the, you tie a tourniquet and you stop the bleed, or we're just going to bleed out. It's more than the two. And so for me, from a trading perspective, because how does this all relate? Wait. Save your powder. Wait for your moment. You'll get your moment. I promise you it'll change. It's going to heat up at some point. Once we take the uncertainty out of the market, things will heat up. 
Muscle memory is quick. People are going to want to put their money to work. They don't like it on the sidelines. Yeah, I think that leads. Uh, so I had a question for you specifically, Bob. What? So I know you've traded for a while. What was the longest bear market uh, that you experienced? From when I traded. Ah. <sighs> I want to say it was the housing. It was Lehman. Um, you know, I tapped into the dot-com shit really, really early. And I don't, you know, even I was, I was, wasn't as aggressive in my trading back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I did experience it around then, but I, I would truly say for me personally, it was the, uh, it was that it was Lehman in the housing bubble. So 08. And that, um, and that, last that sucked, man. Yeah. Oh, forever. Yeah. It sucked. It, it was, uh, it was a long, arduous uh, trek to get back to normal. I mean, I remember City was under a dollar, Ford was under a dollar, uh, Bank of I'd America. That, yeah, Bank of America went down to like three dollars and fifty cents, and Buffett came in and bailed him out, gave him a couple billion. Uh, I mean, I loaded up on Ford. Uh, you, you, you know, everyone, you know, at the time, my you know, friends and family, like, what are you doing? It, it's going to go out of business. And no, they won't. They can't let auto manufacturers go out of business. People are mm-hmm. already out of work. You're going to have to bail them out. Um, and this is when the airlines were rolling up, you know, and the private jets asking for bailouts it was a whole, you know, and the board was doing the same big controversy, uh, you know, and it was an enormous opportunity uh, to sink your 401k or your IRA into these potential stocks and to watch it grow. The difference was back then versus COVID, it was not a V-shaped recovery. It was more of a longer, more sustained, slow recovery. Um, So it wasn't this euphoria of free money and quantitative easing and stimulus checks and and, you know, again, people didn't have the tools like Robinhood and Weeble and, you know, to, to it took trade. four years after 08. It took four years. To back. Right. And then from a trader perspective, though, commissions were $20 each way. You weren't free. Yeah. And so you, you, you played more of like, well, shit, yeah, I'm going to drop like 50 grand into Ford at 75 cents. Why would you not? You know, it made sense, you know, so you could grow your wealth the right way. Um, but, you know, people got tagged back then because they owned, you know, four or five, six rental properties. And they were all, you know, financed on arm loans and, and just everything went belly up. So that was a long, uh, long time period and a hard time period uh, to get through because it was a change in administration as well. That's uh, Bush left office and, and Obama came in and he had to clean. You know, he was left with a big task to clean it up. You know, and I'm not going to get in with the things he did were right and wrong. That's that's everyone has their own opinion. It just took a long time. So, yeah. so what is, uh, what is your advice then? Like it, so I, I know we try to always preach like, oh, it's, it benefits you to be able to play both ways. Um, what is your yep. best advice to somebody? Maybe they're struggling right now. They really don't know how to play both ways. Um, what would your best advice be to them if we do continue and we have, uh, we do kind of enter a bear market, um, into this year? Oh. <sighs> I would say first and foremost, if you don't know how to short, don't you dare short. You'll blow your ass up. Yeah. And, I and second that. You'll blow your ass up in such a way that you'll end up owing the broker money and uh, they'll sue you. 
So um, I would highly advise against shorting. The easiest way for a trader to blow up is shorting, plain and simple. When you own an equity, a stock, unless the company's fundamentals are fucked and they're in the toilet and it's, you know, up a thousand percent for no reason and you have you shouldn't be buying it up there. Uh, you know, protect your capital. Um, if you want to trade to the long side. Uh, do, do your homework. It's not about what's on Twitter or what a new IPO is or, or this and that. You really need to look at the fundamentals of the company. This is, this is the time period where the rubber's going to meet the road. And a lot of these stocks, and a lot of traders are new since late 19, uh, 20, and now 21, moved in 22. You know, fundamentals matter. It's not always a technical game when it comes to trading. It, you really need to look at the fundamentals of a company. You, you, you could play the range and the levels and scalp here and there. Uh, but if you want to survive as a trader, you know, look, look for the fundamentals. And, and when you look at what happened in late uh, 20, early 21, when we had the meme run and then every fucking stock went, uh, there, there were, I think there were five stocks under a dollar and they were shit bag, like gold miners. Yeah um with billion flows i mean hell even smdl went from like what seven cents to like a dollar fifty two bucks mm -hmm. who, who the hell knows <laughs> uh you know everything went on crack runs and so that euphoria that was in the marketplace everything is was overvalued and grossly overvalued things are still guys overvalued you know when when these companies are reporting their earnings today it's earnings that we're still experiencing free money flow from the federal government and somewhat of stimulus checks flowing into the economy. But now as things are going to tighten, as that free flow of cash no longer hits these, these organizations, what is then the long-term outlook? What is their, what is their going forward? What, what, is, what are they projecting for the year? Are they pulling back on their estimates? Are they not getting guidance? which is probably the biggest red flag in the entire world to me. If you don't give guidance, give, at least give shitty guidance. If you can't give guidance, run the, fucking, run the other way. I mean, it's horrible. Um, but, you know, things are coming back down to earth. They're still inflated in a lot of areas, but they're coming back down to earth. And then what has to happen is I think we're experiencing in essence is what I call the great, you know, we, we see the, the word, the great reset. I know that's a big political thing because, you know, whatever politicians have this book called the great reset. What we're experiencing is a great reset in the market. Um, a lot of these uh, companies did an enormous amount of offerings last year. They should be still flush with cash. However, I think you've seen the burn rate and a lot of them look ugly. Uh, and, and the question is, will a lot of these companies survive when they shouldn't have survived to begin with? They survived because there was free cash flow. Uh, so we will see a contraction in the marketplace and a continued contraction. So for a new trader, wait for these guys to start bottoming out and then do your homework and look at their fundamentals. Then look at the catalyst. We're not in a swing market by any stretch of the imagination. Do not swing a stock unless you know what the downside risk potentially be. Look back a handful of years to watch how it performed. Look for its behaviors. Yeah, I had, yeah. it's funny you say that we're not in a swing market. I had people, I forget what the stock was. It might've been PLTR or something that, I think it was October, November. Um, they had earnings, the stock tanked and they were like, oh, well, this is a golden opportunity. And people were like, is it time to start swings? I'm like, no. And they'd get frustrated with me. And I'm like, guys, 
there's nothing that indicates it's time to start swings. And and especially now we're three months past that. I think that was November. It's mm-hmm. still not. It's still not time to start swings. So what there? What is indicating or indicative to start swings? Um, and, and people get frustrated because they only know how to play swings from the COVID market or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, and the COVID market really wasn't a swing market. I mean, I, I had a bunch of swings because we were looking for it, traditionally what is it a, the January popper effect into catalyst, and so that was twenty going into twenty one, and then the whole meme shit hit, and then everything just went off the rails. Yeah, uh, and stuff went. And I wasn't arguing. I mean, everyone was making hand over fist. It just was the market that we lived in. Um, but you know, again, the market has not reset. We, you cannot take a traditional swing until the market resets. Again, pull up the toll up graph. We've got to get back to the mean. When we get back to the mean range, then we can start looking at swing plays uh, with more certainty. But until then, you know, uh, focus on news plays in the morning. If you want to, you know, take a scalp or take a, try to take a run and and see if it catches some momentum, Um, you know, Otherwise, just sit out if you're not comfortable, if you're not feeling your edge, you don't you don't have to do this. You don't. Now, if you have to do it because you feel like you need to make money and you're struggling, go get a job in the interim. Go get a job. Uh, the market will always be here, but you're going to blow your account up if you don't. Yeah. If you feel like you just you're pressuring yourself in the wrong direction. Yeah. If you're if you're overextending yourself as in you have to make money, then you don't have a big enough nest egg to be doing this full time. Um, no. You should have enough money to, you know, survive. If you were to, you know, blow up an account, you should have enough in your savings, have enough in, you know, crazy IRA, all this stuff. You should have enough money somewhere to survive if you were to blow up your account, all that kind of stuff. So when they te- when they, I'm sorry, Andrew, but when they tell ahead, someone no, when, when you get laid off, uh, if you work, not get laid off, but if you have a full-time job, they always say, and I disagree with the timeline, they always say to make sure you have two to three months worth of money to survive on because you should be reemployed within 60 to 90 days which is horseshit because that that timeline and that thesis is for decades ago mm. <laughs> my, my personal thing if you if, if you should have a solid years worth of money tucked away in case we enter a market where it's untradeable, where it's really really becoming untradeable or your gains are not sufficient enough to survive on for you need to have about a year's worth of money put away um to sustain your lifestyle, a normal lifestyle, one that is again sustainable. Keyword: sustainable 100%. lifestyle. Sorry, to a interrupt. year is a year is minimum. No worries, man. No worries. A, a year minimum, in my opinion. Um, I always, I tell my friends like they're we're all younger. I have a lot of younger friends. They kind of ask me because I I do this whole finance thing. I do this whole like stock thing. I know a lot about money. They always ask me like, what do you think if I'm if I want to quit my job, like what should I have in the bank? I always tell them a year and they always get mad at me. They're like, what, like, what the fuck, man? Like, I'm, I, there's no way I can have a year. I'm like, well, then you shouldn't quit your damn job. Don't right. quit your job then. Um, yeah. yeah. The it's, thing uh, I it's a challenge for people. Off. They get, they freak out because they realize what they're spending out in a year and they're afraid that it's going to take that much longer to save up for it. It's like a whole salary for them. It's like a whole, yeah, yeah, literally almost. But the, the major thing I wanted to bring up to you, Bob, is, is, this monthly chart on spy anyone who's listening to this pull up the monthly chart on spy i got it right over here on my second screen is the the most concerning thing i've ever seen in my entire life 
right, considering the monthly how far are we going back here um i got Five mine years? pulled up all the way to like 2005 just this whole monthly oh, chart you're really going back there all right, i'm really going 20. back yeah this is the exact tulip mania chart man mm-hmm. yeah so it's, you see you see the same tulip mania chart just not on the on this uh on your time period I, now i have a 20-year chart pulled up it's not just the uh the 20 year chart it's the weekly and it's the daily yep so the stars are aligning for a monster correction it's terrifying but also welcomed like i'm i'm welcoming it because i know that once we return to that mean there's going to be so many more opportunities than there is right now and that's the key word it's opportunity it's opportunity and so opportunity means you know when to strike and so if it means taking a time out, and as for me, it's, you know, semi-retirement from the market, enjoying my life, spending time with my family, um, helping folks out when they ask for it, hanging out with you guys when you want me to jump on, uh, take that time and enjoy life. You will have the right time to strike. It's just when and what does it look like? Let the big boys shake this whole thing out. We ride the wave. We don't guess the top. We don't guess the bottom, but we ride the wave. And we're just looking for the perfect wave to ride into the shore. That's it, man. It's, yeah. it's not complicated. Tune out the noise and the, and the, and the other crap. Uh, do your homework. Do your due diligence. Um, do your uh, Check the fundamental. Now, especially check the fundamentals of these companies. Please check the fundamentals before you jump into the... If you're taking it for a trade, that's one thing. If you're taking it for a swing, know the fundamentals. 100%. I think, I think fundamentals are going to make a return. Um, when? I don't really know because I can't predict, but I've been kind of making some tweets here and there about how fundamentals have been abandoned 100% because I used to be all fundamental trader. Um, when I first started on Twitter, I was, I was full fundamental, which I started, I think, like right after COVID, like a month after COVID. I got on because I saw a bunch of people on there. I'd been trading for like two years at that point, but I was full fundamental. And, you know, since then, any fundamental posts I make, people don't even acknowledge. They don't really even like think about it because it doesn't matter right now. Um, It will matter. And it will probably be the thing that could make you, you know, go from someone who has a a nine to five job to a millionaire who doesn't have to worry. And I truly believe that. I think if if we get a nice reset in the market, fundamentals will be something that can take you from someone who has to worry about money to someone who doesn't have to worry that much about money. I really think you, that you always should worry about money millionaire or not. If it's not in the back of your head, then you always should worry about money. Don't let it consume you, but don't ever take it for granted that you have enough. That's true. That's, that's some wise stuff right there that a 24 year old, like or 20, I'm not 24. What the fuck? 22 year old <laughs> like me doesn't think about you. I assume you still think about money. I mean, as an older gentleman with a lot of fucking money, you still think about it, I guess. <laughs> Well, first, I don't know what a lot of money means, uh, you know, because I don't ever quantify like that. Uh, you know, you, you life can throw any curveball at you. Um, it's not black and white. Uh, make sure you always have an opportunity to earn and to earn in the right way, uh, in a consistent way. And if you're trading and you have a really good system, you don't even have to look at your P&L on the day. Your, your, your system inherently on how you trade should net you, it may not net you positive, right? it's always based on the market dynamics, but you should net positive and, and, and be live a sustainable, responsible, humble, 
lifestyle over time. Yep. Yep. I agree with that hundred percent. Some people, some people, you know, will talk about how, uh, you know, you have to be making the the big money. If you can make a, enough to live in the market, like if you can make enough money off of the stock market to live with that money, you're winning. In my book, you're winning. Whether it's, right. you know, you know, 30 grand and you're living in, you know, some place that you don't want to be living, but it's enough to live. You're winning. You're not working a job that you hate. You're working a job that you, you don't mind, I assume, if you're trading like that. And, and also, uh, whatever you earn in the market, if, you know, uh, don't, don't extend yourself, uh, you know, because what's, as we learned, uh, and, and again, I, I made the same fatal mistakes. I mean, we're all human. We do it, uh, you know, uh, in the COVID market and I call it the COVID market because that's when it was nuts. Um, you know, just because you got fat on the hog and everyone got fat on the hog on, from a profitable standpoint uh, during the COVID run, doesn't mean that it's always going to be that type of run. And so you have to, uh, save it for a rainy day and weather the storm. And right now, guys, we're weathering a storm um, from from a long swing perspective. Now, yes, uh, you can make money on the backside of the trade if you're experienced enough to do that and to know when to go into the trade and how to scale into it. But again, it's, shorting is not, uh, regrettably, it's not as easy as going long. It, it's it's the, the risk is, is uh, much higher, infinitely higher infinitely higher um but there is also good opportunity as well too um all right so bob we uh i hear through the grapevine that there's a chance you might be throwing a couple swings in the mob here soon um yeah i mean we talked about it's not really a swing environment but i also have noticed um i've noticed that there has been some uh, i call it the flip and so the flip and this is my terminology. Everyone's got their own terminology. The, the flip in it of itself is when I see the market makers uh, re-enter their positions in equities. And so what I have seen on my scanners, and again, I'm kind of like, I'm here and I'm not here. So it's, I'm kind of trying to do a little bit of review through the day when I kind of circle back to my scanners and do a historical look. Uh, and it's specifically, I look at, at the at, at price ranges and I'm looking at the, the pennies again because we really never got a January popper effect. Uh, I am seeing um, historically what normally would happen in December. I am seeing what I call the flip. And the flip is the accumulation and it's a large block accumulation in penny stocks. It is occurring right now. Um, it is not by any stretch of the imagination uh, robust across the penny landscape. It is, it is, it's been about 15 to 20 of them and I'm kind of got them up and I just, you know, check back in if I'm around my desk during the day uh, or the house. Um, and, and I just want to see kind of what's going on. Um, so, there, there are two things I want to keep an eye on. First and foremost, the market. We need to be cognizant of what is happening in the indexes um, because if the indexes really take a swoon, um, I'm not sure if we're going to have quote unquote a January effect, even though that we're in February and it could be March by the time we have the January effect. I'll get in that to a little bit too, where my, my head is at around that. Um, however, so what I look for is the flip first and foremost. Uh, 
And traditionally, when I would see the flip, I would take positions in those stocks and those pennies and take them as a swing. Um, I have not taken any positions in anything, guys. I, I am holding some stuff and a lot of it's historical and it's just kind of there. And I'm probably wondering why the hell I even still have it. Probably should just harvest it for a tax loss and move on, um, even though we're only in February. Um, but it is what it is. It's you know minor positions. But um, I want to see what the market conditions are. And so really what I'm looking for are what we call frying pan bottoms. Um, and I, I think I've mentioned this before. It's post-offering plays, frying pan bottoms but I'm looking for those random volume hits. And it's not like it's, let's say there's the stock does normally 200,000 shares in the day and suddenly it does 800,000 shares. And it's not like it's doing 800,000 shares on volume. There's a single hit of around 500,000 shares. Why the hell is a shitbag stock getting the 500,000 share hit? So, and it's, it, 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 it's a fund, it, it's a market maker flip. Uh, so those are up on my screen. Um, but again, I'm using the, the overall dynamic in the marketplace um, to, to really be my guide horse right now uh, to, see, to see where we're going to go. So yes, if things look healthy and we, we, we don't do this tulip death spiral, uh, which I believe we will, um, hopefully if we do it, it's going to be fast and furious, man. Like get it done within a two week period because mm -hmm. shit is going to get wild at that point i will come out of my semi-retirement and i will be in front of my screens for 14 hours a day killing myself regrettably i have vacation and hopefully it's not during the time i'm on vacation because guess what i'll be in front of my screens on vacation since i take my travel so that my travel stuff will accompany me on those trips um but uh because uh, you in this type of market it's it's not you know we won't have 90 day runs it's you're gonna have to hit and strike when it's hot and then you're gonna have to learn to walk away when it's not um, the other thing that I, I want to bring to everyone's attention is we had this euphoric run in the beginning of uh, end of 20, the beginning of 2021. Uh, and we haven't had this, any really, you know, euphoria since September of last year, at least that's the way I see it. Mindful of some, you know, DWAC, which is a whole separate animal in and of itself, uh, and what it did to the market. And probably one of my biggest misses of my entire life because I told myself I was going to YOLO that Wednesday morning. And I did YOLO a large portion. And then I said, oh, good, $20 was good enough for me. And then wanted to commit suicide. And I <laughs> went should to 70 or some shit like that. It went to 70 and then 175 the next day. And I apologize. That's probably the wrong thing to say. Uh, I, I was not happy with myself. <laughs> <laughs> um that was a very large eight-figure miss on my part and uh i was pretty fucking pissed off life goes on uh those opportunities do pop up again um but i think what we're going to potentially see this year is the inverse of 2021 we will see a and this is not meant to be political guys i do put some political stuff out there a lot of the times my political stuff is just to to troll people and make them crazy and it's more fun than anything else it's fucking um, hilarious don't ever stop <laughs> well i won't um we all have our politics we all have this and that but listen guys i want a healthy economy for our country for my kid for my family for you guys uh i want to i want to have a robust uh sustainable world uh without lunacy if that's even possible um but i i do think we see somewhat of an inverse in, in what we saw in 2021 in that I think by late summer, uh, August, 
we might see some lunacy in the marketplace and good lunacy in that we will run into midterm elections. Uh, so things will get fast and furious. We will then see which political party takes control or retains control. And if it does become, this is again, not being political, but I believe if it becomes a red wave uh, and a flipping of the house and the Senate uh, to the Republican side, we will have a rally like there has not been seen since early 2021. So strap your seatbelts on, put your running shoes on because it might get really wild midpoint to latter point of this year. Just weather this current storm. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's history and it's the facts. The, uh, the Republicans, they always, you know, put the market first and want it to be something that flourishes during their time. So if they were to take over, yeah, you're probably right. It would probably be such a, such a crazy run that, that we would make some, some fucking cash pretty quick. Right. And it's not a Trump thing and it's not this thing, you know, whatever it, it is, it is what the, the market is pining for and desperate for is direction and understanding. Uncertainty in the marketplace causes what we have been seeing, which will be a precipitous drop-off. Yeah, 100%. Bob, I have a completely unrelated question. Don't wanna, I, don't wanna switch, switch gears too quick, but I'm gonna switch gears super quick. Um, I saw a while back, you posted a picture of, is it a Negroni? Is that the name of it? It um, is a Negroni. Negroni. What's yeah. your favorite mixed drink? I mean, I've been I've been trying to experiment a bit with mixed drinks. What's your favorite? You know, I, I typically don't mix drinks unless I'm out to dinner. Because uh, to be honest, I'm lazy as shit at home and I'd rather <laughs> pour it out of the bottle. Uh, and that's just, that's just, I mean, dude, I used to whip up shit. Like, let's, my wife's like, hey, make this, make this. And I'm like, fuck, man, it's like 10 minutes to make a drink, dude. This is stupid. Like, yeah. what the hell are we doing? And I don't like the, <laughs> I don't like the prefab shit because it's full of sugars and additives and it gives me a fucking hangover. Uh, so at home, I don't mix drinks. I literally drink uh, whatever bourbon is in my office. And I have no idea what's in my flat. The, I have like a crystal decanter or whatever in my office. And my wife usually fills it up. And so God knows what the hell she put in there. Uh, <laughs> it's something in the cabinet. Hopefully it's nothing like the pappy that's not supposed to be open but god knows i'll find out when i try it this weekend uh the other thing i drink at home is uh casa dragons uh and hail uh it's probably one of the best tequilas you can buy but from a mixed drink um i love negronis it is one of my fa- i'm not a gin drinker i actually despise gin but i love the negronis or gin based i love negronis the other thing that i like and look up the recipe it's uh it's called a swiss cartel it's a Negroni, but they don't use gin. They use uh, Respado, Reposado. Uh, I think that's how you say it. It's tequila, and it will fucking blow your mind how good it is. I'm looking it up right now. That sounds freaking awesome. Yeah, make a Swiss cartel and let me know how you like it. Because I, I tried a Negroni probably about a week ago. And yeah. I mean, the gin kind of bled through a bit too much. Yep. Um, it, can. it was it was good. And then I, I made, I think it's called like a Boulevardier or something like yeah. that with, yeah, yeah, with yeah. whiskey. I like that a lot better. The 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 one with whiskey was was super smooth and really good. But I mean, it had a lot of good flavors, but I'm not, I mean, I'm freaking one year over drinking age. So I don't know a whole lot about mixed drinks, but I would say that the the one with the whiskey was probably one of my favorite drinks. I've so had. old fashioned, a Manhattan, a Manhattan that's done proper is that's fantastic. Yeah. 
but I would, if you, if you have the chance, go make a Swiss cartel and let me know what you think. I I'm going to go it, order one at a fancy will, restaurant. Uh, if they know how to make it, if not, you'll have to give them the recipe, but uh, I promise you, you'll be, you'll, it'll, it'll knock your socks off. That sounds good. Did you ever make a Swiss cartel at the bar, Ant? No, I know you, you bartended. Uh, no, I, I've never even heard of it to be honest. Um, yeah, see, Bob, what's what's in it? It's it's Bob's a Negro- signature. It, it's a Negroni without gin, but they use uh, tequila, tequila instead. But it's not white tequila; it's a uh, reposado or Rispato or however you say it. It sounds good. I like Moscow mules. I mean, I know that. Sounds yeah, mules good. are good. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it, yeah. dude. I used to, <laughs> we had this special place in my college town that made mules and would sell them for one dollar on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. And I would go there and just like drink like seven of them and then not remember the next day. Like I would just Wednesday and Thursday would just be gone from my memory. Because if you don't like $1. ginger, then yeah. If you don't like ginger, you're you're not gonna like them. But they're good. They're so good. Bob, do you watch any TV shows? I do. What do you watch? I got to hear. So I don't watch like TV, TV. I hate normal like uh, cable. I mean, no, I know. Yeah. Cable. Some, dude, I like I'm Netflix and HBO Max. And yeah. All that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Book of Boba Fett has sucked until the last episode. I don't want to ruin for people. I was like, holy shit. Like finally it got and it got real good. So I don't want to say anything. Uh, and I got to watch tonight's episode. So I'm hoping it it, it is kick ass. Um, Peacemaker is f- by far fucking unreal. And if you haven't That's seen Peacemaker, show. you need to watch Peacemaker. It's it, it's James Gunn. It's done so well. Uh, it's just it finally something really good on TV has come out. Did you guys watch The Staircase on Netflix? I just no finished idea. that. The stair- I haven't seen it. Nope. Dude, it was incredible. It's like a show that took 20 years to make. Um, I think they started filming in like 1999. Oh, I know what you're talking about. What is, what's it about? It's about this. 20 years. It, it's about this dude who uh, they say he killed his wife and it literally like records the whole process through the trial, all of it. Um, wow. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it because that's it, heavy. It's dude. It was one of the best shows I've seen. It's on Netflix. It's I gotta say, have both out. of you guys seen Ozark? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well then I, I was gonna give you guys a fire recommendation, but mm-hmm. fucking Ozark is so good, man. Um, Narcos, I mean, watch Narcos. Narcos. So good. Narcos, you can't go wrong with Narcos. Yeah. There's some good stuff, and there's just some crap. You know, again, uh, COVID kind of screwed things up. So yeah, um, there were a couple shows that had masks on in the middle of them. Like did I they remember. Really? Yeah. yeah, there was there was one show. I think it might have been Blacklist. Maybe not. I don't know. Something like one of those shows that I watched, and then like the next episode, they all had masks on all the time, and I was like, "What the fuck is going on here?" And then I like <laughs> had to like think. I was like, "Oh shit!" It's because they probably were filming mid COVID and couldn't. I think stop. my wife was watching like Grey's Anatomy or some shit. Like I don't know what she watches. Uh, and I walked in. I go, "Why the fuck are they in masks and like helmets?" She's like, "Because they're filming this shit during COVID." I'm like oh but they worked yeah. it into the story i'm like that's kind of creative good for them yeah i mean it's sometimes like I, I remember i watched a different one where like they like said like they like prefaced an episode by saying like there's a massive outbreak in like ebola or something and then they all had masks on and i was like this is kind of lame but like kind of smart i don't really know how to feel about it but it was okay it was it was whatever it was yeah i think there was another one we, i watched with my daughter uh uh was on netflix sweet tooth um it's actually pretty damn good um, yeah i've seen that 
I think I saw that. Let me Google it. It's sort of kid oriented, and then it gets kind of it got kind of dark. Uh, Is it the the dude with the antlers? Yeah. Yep. Yep. That one, dude. I remember that came up on my recommended, and it had like crazy good reviews. It's, you need the, to watch it if you haven't watched it. It's actually really the quality's a, like out of this world. Yeah, it's really well put together. It's, I it's, was it's really show. interested in it, and then my girlfriend was like, "Dude, he has antlers. I can't watch that." No, 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 no. It's all built into the storyline. You got to check it out. It, it it gets really dark at parts. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it because I remember looking at it and being like, "This looks kind of good," and then getting it shut down because a lot antlers, of social but... issues and uh, in it. Um, but it's it's a it's a hell of a good storyline it, it's it's a i think it's a graphic novel if i'm not mistaken okay it's good i can deal with that i can deal with that um so bob uh i guess the last stock related question yeah. we have for you um how do you control your emotions while you're swing trading because i know a lot of things can be um overwhelming at points like if you see you're down at the beginning um so maybe you even get half your maybe three quarters of your position in and then a big dip happens how do you control the emotions when you have high conviction in a swing trade you know what as long as i've been doing this was just over 15 years it's still it's always a challenge because inherently as a as a human being as a, as a homo sapien uh, it's built into our or cortex of our brain uh, so to be completely 100% mechanical and take emotion out of it, then, then um, you have to be, in essence, a sociopath. And I, I would hope that no one's a, a sociopath. Um, so uh, there, there's always an emotional component to the trade. I think what you, you have to look at is where, where you take the emotional component out is you just have to sometimes suck it up and, and eat the L. You might know this stock inside and out, and you might, it, it, it should be doing what you think it should be doing. And it, and it gave glimpses of what it should be doing. However, there are overriding conditions in the marketplace that, um, that will influence the scope of that specific stock's price action. And you have to tell yourself one of two things. Do I want to cut bait and walk away from that trade today and revisit it? Because in theory, it still could cut me by 50%. Um, or, or, or can I weather the storm and ride out the trade? And it really comes down to how you position yourself in the individual stock. And if you, if you've gone too big to begin with, um, there's, you've literally tied the noose around your neck and you're about to hang yourself and don't do that. Uh, don't do that. Um, the biggest mistake, and I think we talked about this last time and I've talked to other folks about this is you learn to scale into the trade and, and listen, guys, I sometimes fuck it up and I go into big on a trade. Um, it happens. It's human nature. Um, there, there were times, uh, late last year that I took some trades and inherently I knew I shouldn't have taken them. Uh, and I waited it out and I took some pretty, pretty large L's at the end of uh, last year. Now I harvested them for taxes and that's fine, but it's still an L it sucks. Um, but the, the emotional component is really based on how you size the trade. And if the trade is working against you walk, that's my best advice is walk from the trade and take the L take a breather and don't revenge trade it just just come back to it it's it's it, your thesis is still there unless something inherently wrong with the specific stock that you were trading 
changes. Look at it again. Um, and that's why I go back to when folks ask me, what's the best type of setup? I love frying pan bottoms. I love them. You just have to be patient with them. They need to have a catalyst. And if they've done an offer, holy hell, because the risk portion of that trade has been mitigated. And therefore, while there is always risk in every trade that we do, the downside has been somewhat muted and reduced. So that's where I can be comfortable holding. But again, if it starts working against me, yeah, it's sometimes it sucks. You got to take the L and, and suck it up. It's just, it's part of it. We, you know, we all want to bat a thousand percent. And I think I've mentioned this before too. The, when you look in baseball, the guys that are making the $500 million contracts, what's their batting average? It's usually between 280 and 320. Well, what does that mean? They're hitting the ball in play 28% to 32, 35% of the time. Say that again. 28% of the time to 35% of the time. So an average of 30%-ish, they're hitting the ball into play. And they're making $500 million over the course of five to 10 years. Yeah. There's your analogy. Use that analogy in your head. Always. It's okay to take the L's, guys. It's, it's okay. It's part it of the game. It, yeah. it, no one bats a thousand. Uh, but it's all about knowing when to take the small L and then wait for the, and then ride the big gain and ride the trend on the big gain. That's it. That's it. Yep. If you got a winner, let it run. If you got a loser, cut it. Cut it. That's all it is. That's all the game is. If you, if you got a loser, fucking cut it. Like, That's it. As soon as, You're as, not as, meant yeah. to win this game. We're not meant to win the stock market. You're not meant to win at the casino. It's not structured in your favor. It's structured as, by taking small base hits. Yep. As soon as as soon as you think you've outsmarted the game, they're nope. one step ahead every, every single, single time. fucking time. <laughs> you will get roasted and give it all back. And all that hard work will come crashing down. And you'll go, holy shit, I had this grand plan what I was going to do within the next six to 12 months and now i've set myself back three to five years not worth yep. it so i guess i guess in summary um your biggest best most profitable setup has been those frying pan bottoms where there's been an offering and you start to see the the, the tape the flip, flip. Yep. yep exactly so you start to see that flip and then you buy in and then you see that that pop am i right there hundred percent. Okay. And, and usually it's a catalyst involved too. And again, we're not hundred percent in a swing market, but look for those frying pan bottoms. It doesn't have to be a cheap ass penny stock. It can be a $5 stock that's frying pan bottom, but they recently did an offering in the last 60 days. Uh, know who your book runners are. Okay. Do not, I hate Maxim. I hate Aegis. They're shit bag book runners. Okay. They're, they're dirt. Uh, if someone's done a deal with Hercules Capital Management, run, dirt bag. Uh, Wainwright is the, one of the best book runners to run a stock. You'll know the Wainwright stocks, H.C. Wainwright. They hit those PTs, baby. They hit those PTs. They push them out and then they move the stock <laughs> and magically you'll get a bunch of fluffy PRs. That's just how it works. <laughs> uh, um, exactly. That's, that's something people need to listen to. If you heard that, 
that's some that's some extra shit that Incredible Bob just said that you guys need to to pick up on because if HC runs the offering, I've seen this. 20 times in the past year. If HC runs the offering, they're going to push some fluff PRs through the company in a PT and you're going to get like a, a 50% pop in that stock. Yep. Every yep. damn time. Yeah. Uh, Think Equity is another one that does it very well. Uh, Roth is not great, but they're not terrible. Um, you know, you'll, you'll know who you're good. Just here's the easy thing to do. Go back to FinViz. Look when the offerings happen you know, with different book runners and say, okay, this, if it was EF Hutton, what did EF Hutton do? Well, it sucks. They never run shit. Oppie, holy shit. Oppie used to run shit all the time. Now Oppie doesn't do a lot of shit that much anymore. You, you look at the history of the book runner because it's the history and the personality of the book runner will determine the history and personality of the stock post offering. As long as it's in a frying pan bottom. Now, if they've done an offering and it's still just downtrending, don't think because they did an offering, you should jump into it because it still can trend down. It's got to frying pan bottom. And if it breaks the trend on the frying pan bottom, walk, cut it, move and let it frying pan again. Trust me, let it frying pan bottom again. Yep. And um, for the listeners, what do you mean exactly by a frying pan bottom? Uh, basically, it, just, it's, it looks like it's barcoded flat on the daily chart for, for it could be like two, three, four, five weeks. Just, just, just let it be forgotten. Face out. Yeah. Uh, and then if the other ones that I like are, uh, I, I do like OTC uplisters. I'm not big on IPOs. I think IPOs, you know, I know we've had an IPO run and it is what it is. Historically, IPOs, uh, they fail every single time for the most part. They, I mean, they, they, they habitually and grossly fail. If you look prior to COVID, they all, they all end up to be penny stocks for the most part. Uh, however, OTC uplisters that are uh, based in Israel, always have your eyeball on them. Always have their eyeball, uh, your eyeball on them because, and then watch the filings. Watch how they, uh, they do some uh, form fours or you'll see an 8K where uh, I love the ones like GMVD. This is not to tell you to buy GMVD. So GMVD, there was an 8K that came out this week. And, and, and that's to me is a, a dirty ticker. Uh, uh, they did, I think, an S3, and now the stock was like at five, and it's down to four or something. But they filed this 8K this week, and within the 8K, as I read it, they gave themselves options. But the options vest not based on like normally when the, these companies award themselves options, they vest like 25 percent, you know, over a four-year period. Okay, the, this one wasn't a vesting over a four-year period. <laughs> this was a vesting period based on market cap. So. <laughs> With GMBD, you can be assured at some point you're going to get the most repulsive run again in GMBD, kind of like we got in Rally, because they need the market cap to be like $175 million so they can vest their options, at least half of them. And then the next like level was $300 million. You can be assured that you will get a dirty ticker run out of that. So those this, are the things <laughs> that you should look for. I mean, this, this is, is the market. <laughs> This is the type of shit, man, that people people need to understand. There's stuff hidden. There's little gems hidden in all of those filings, you know, you know, 10K, those those 8Ks, like all those, all those filings. Read your filings. Read, read, read. If you're if you're bored and you feel like you need to trade and the market's not doing well for you. Uh, and listen, guys, I'm not trading. I told you guys I'm kind of like half-assing. I've been half-assing. You know, just it's just, you know, I have to pick and choose my battles and I want to spend time with my family. I read filings still, guys, and I take notes. 
So when and if the time comes that I feel like there's an edge uh, to get back into this, um, I have my notes, they're written out and I kind of have a photographic memory. So once I write something down, I kind of remember it for the most part. It's just an ability I've always had, but um, yeah, read filings and look for the hidden pearls within the filings. That GMVD one was a pearl and a half. Just now you got to time it. Yep. Watch exactly. the chart and time it. Exactly. Well, Bob, um, you've actually, you've, you spit out a ton of knowledge here. I got to get your knowledge on one last little thing. Yeah, I'm stock sure. related, but um, you, you strike me as kind of a, a philosophical, have your kind of um, good views on life. There's some people in the world who don't really think about, you know, life as general at all, but I've been thinking a lot, man, we're on a floating rock. Like, there's no other way I can say that we're on a floating rock. A lot of people take life like extremely seriously, um, you know, take things to heart a hundred percent. Um, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like, you know, life should be a big serious thing, or do you think it should be one of those things where you can kind of just realize that we're so small in this big gear of life? Uh, we're part of an ecosystem. Do you feel like you should be able to kind of factor that into how seriously you take it or, or how do you feel about that entire um kind of circular motion of where we're at yeah you know when i was your age and i was younger um you have different viewpoints in life and as i've gotten older and as i continue to get old and as i raise a child um your your outlook and the way you see things um it, they change um, and they hopefully change for the better. Uh, for me, it's because I want to instill what's right morally and what I believe to be right morally and wrong. Hopefully what I believe to be morally right and wrong is morally right and wrong. You know, I think it is. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's always in question what is right and wrong. It's a whole separate subject. Um, I was raised um, with the golden rule, uh, you know, that, that has always been my guiding principle in life. Uh, have I always lived 100% by that role? No. I, have I been an asshole to people? Sure. I mean, it's, again, human nature. Uh, have I had regret in those situations? Sure, 100%. Um, but when it, I, I'm a firm believer, guys, we get one shot at this. Um, you know, I, I don't want to make a religious or this and that talk. No one knows if there is anything beyond what today is and what we see each other is, is this a simulation? I don't fucking have a clue. Is this real? I mean, I assume it's real, um, but is it again, is it a simulation like Musk says it could potentially be? Are we built into a computer program? Is it all this not, you know, for not? I, I don't have an answer and I don't, I don't really want to know. What I, what I want to know is that I'm doing in for first and foremost for my family uh, and then for those around me, what is morally right um, and to do things the right way and to help your neighbor along the way. Um, and, and I always, and I wasn't always like this, I really am good about listening to other people's viewpoint because I don't like to silo myself as that I'm the know-it-all, be-it-all expert in XYZ because I'm far from that. Because someone may present something else to me that I never thought of, or I see it from their scope and angle. And, you know, it makes you a more well-rounded 
better person. So when you look at this cycle and you look at the rock that we sit on in this big expanse of space, and we're one solar system in a galaxy of many solar systems within this entire universe, which is billions of solar uh, galaxies, holy shit, if you put it all together, it, it gives you the chills. Um, but in the cycle of what we do is a finite grain of sand and not even a grain of sand it's like a a, a, a neutron and, and built into whatever a, i forget what is in a neutron anymore because now you know the scientific measurement's gone so deep you know we're one little portion and um, all you can do is hope what you do is is the right thing and, and it's paid forward mm -hmm. uh, to make this place somewhat safer in a better place and and you can pass your knowledge on to someone else and they can carry that further for for uh generations and so so maybe that's what the afterlife is who, who the hell knows but have fun i mean yeah. fuck man don't be so serious like that's that's the other part like if shit's serious all the time you got to check yourself and say what the fuck am i doing with my life like like i'm a fuck up most of the time anyway when i'm with my family and friends like i'm completely just stupid and fun and sometimes obnoxious as my <laughs> that's the best life. though um but yeah i mean like i don't know just be yourself it's like just don't fuck with other people that's my only rule so it's, it's the golden rule like live by the golden rule that's again what i'm ingrained by so wordy deep question from you and who knows <laughs> what's next i don't know man just yeah. shit sky's blue and grass is green yeah man i mean for me i mean i i'm I'm a lot younger than you. I just think, you know, I'm going to try to live this life, do some good upon some people and have fun while I'm at it. That's kind of the, the, the things that I do is do good and just live life, have fun. I mean, most of the time, I mean, people see me, I mean, on weekends, I just, I tweet the stupidest possible shit. I mean, I guarantee you guys, I'm that exact same person when I'm with my girlfriend, like on Saturday nights, I say the absolute stupidest shit. I'm lucky that she still stays with me for the stupid ass shit. The only things that get to Twitter or whatever are the things that she like is like, all right, that's not a bad, that's not a bad idea. I just like, I fucking throw the stupidest shit out. I say the, the worst jokes possible on a daily, daily occurrence. I say the stupidest dad jokes. Like it's just, I just, I just have fun. You know, I try to have fun the most I can. I try to um help people the most i can but the the thing i can just say is just help people do what you think is right have fun um that's what i think we're on a rock the rock right. is you know one in a one in a billion chance most likely one in a trillion one in a google we don't even know we don't know what the chance of this rock happening is but just just take take advantage of it do whatever you think is going to fulfill your life in the end when you're laying on your your deathbed just just do what you think um that deathbed human Whoever you're going to be once that time comes would be proud of. And listen to the perspective of other people. Yes. Without being opinionated going into it. Look at it from their vantage point, whether it's right or wrong, and understand what they see and are going through and find a commonality. 100%. Uh, that's it, man. And then, have again, have fun. That's 110%. Have fun. That's, that's exactly what it's about. <clears throat> well bob this, is, this has been an awesome episode i'm sure everyone will uh will enjoy it we want to thank you a ton for coming on um it's been a pleasure to uh talk with you get your kind of thoughts on the best setups the market right now all that kind of stuff life on a floating rock so <laughs> so 
my my biggest thank you for for coming on a second time no guys thanks for having me i appreciate it stay safe in the market it will let itself correct and do whatever it's gonna do and yes it'll be fun times soon enough again in the market just weather the storm and uh or you know find an angle a different tool to your back and uh you guys are gonna do well you already do so i'm happy for y'all all right tony we are back um we had a week off. We had a little little shenanigans. I interviewed Shark alone because you had COVID. You're still feeling some of the effects. Um, but I interviewed Shark, and then somehow the the audio file got all messed up. It was it was robotic and and staticky. So, is what it is. And we're back. How you doing, man? Uh, I've been better. I, don't, I think, dude. I don't, with COVID, the worst part's been the headaches and like trying to look at a screen all day has been. Like the other day, I was wearing sunglasses, just sitting here. I'm like, <laughs> I felt like an idiot, but it's the only way. You need to get some of these bad boys. These are my blue light glasses. Oh, I have some of those. Where are they at? Dude, I wear those every day. I got a better pair. These ones are kind of like, look like I'm a high school nerd. I got a stylish. Oh, you got a fucking mega stylish one. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I use these all the time. So helpful. Sometimes if I, if I sit at a screen by Thursday, my head just hurts every time I look at a screen. So. Yeah. Throw those bad boys on. Feel a little better. I don't know if you're drinking because you uh, are you. Oh, I you do. are. What but do you I got? Ha- I just have some wine, honestly, in this in my uh, mule mug. Yeah. My copper mug. I went. Um, I went to this big ass store that has like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's the biggest alcohol store I've ever seen today. Mm-hmm. It was. It's called like wall to wall something like that. I don't know. I don't know the exact name, but I walked like down like every aisle of the beer aisle and I could not find one that like, I, there were so many, like there were like, they had like probably 25 different mango ones and I'm obsessed with mango. So what I ended up is just a little, I bought like some, I think I got Basil Hayden's. So I got some Basil Hayden's just to try cause I've never had that. And I made a little Manhattan with some sweet vermouth. I apologize if I mispronounced that. I think sweet that's vermouth. Right. Sweet vermouth. vermouth. It's pretty good. I've never had a Manhattan before. They're good. Solid. Yeah, I uh, we used to make those at the bar. Those are the things like that. Those, they're like you don't always make them though. You know what I mean? They're kind of like a. I, I don't know if rare is the right word, but like not everybody gets those. I feel like most people that go to a bar get like something that tastes not like alcohol. These taste like alcohol because like yeah, I don't know. I sometimes i'm trying to become a whiskey snob to be completely honest i'm trying to become one of those little bitches that like knows what they taste like because when i used to dude i used to just pound jack daniels when i'd want to get drunk mm-hmm. <laughs> and that came to a abrupt halt like the 10th time i puked and yeah they just but now i just <laughs> it's brutal You're probably scarred. I just, dude big time like mm-hmm. like ptsd fucking alcohol edition um yeah it was it was bad i had I know I went on a senior trip for high school and we all we brought were like five bottles of Jack Daniels for like four of us over mm-hmm. like a short trip. And I don't think I looked near a brown liquid for like fucking six months. It was so bad, dude. Yeah. It was horrible. That's Absolutely me and that's horrible. me and eggs, dude. Don't even talk about eggs. I eggs know, are not on I the <laughs> But like if I smell eggs. I don't, know, I don't know what it is. Eggs don't even smell, though. That's the thing. Eggs smell horrible. What do you mean? I think eggs are like the definition of like, don't smell taste, like, don't smell. They smell like sulfur. Ugh! 
They smell okay. <laughs> That's if like you hard boil one and put it in the fridge, then it tastes yeah, like yeah, some yeah, sulfur. Like deviled eggs. Smells like sulfur. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although deviled eggs smack. Mm-mm. I gotta admit, deviled eggs are pretty good. No shot. <laughs> <laughs> all right we got to talk about um three large caps slash etfs two of them are large caps one of them is an etf um usually we talk small caps but this week we got some different movement we're gonna go over ford facebook and arc but first i want to uh i'm gonna go hard on this ford this ford um review mm-hmm. analysis whatever you want to call it and then i'll let you have some time to speak but Let me pull up the chart real quick, just so I don't sound like a complete dumb idiot. Um, So Ford, this is being filmed on Wednesday, February 2nd. They have earnings tomorrow. So by the time this comes out, my thesis will be completely gone and erased. But on that weekly and daily of Ford, there's a perfect, a perfect head and shoulders, like about as perfect as you could possibly get. Um, The shoulder needs to extend a bit, but it is what it is. It's it's a very clear head and shoulders. And we're heading into earnings. They've beat earnings six times in a row. Um, but my thesis is that they miss earnings. And I know that everyone is going to tell me, like, you know, trend is friend, blah, 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 blah. By the time this comes out, I could sound like the biggest idiot of all time when they, you know, smack earnings. And um, this is completely invalid. But my thesis is last quarter four, um, they were estimated 34 cents as an like EPS and this earnings they're estimated 44 cents. I think that's a bit of an overcorrection and I think analysts are overcorrecting due to the fact that they've beaten six times in a row. Um, so 34 cents to 44 cents EPS, that'd be a pretty big jump. Um, not like impossible, obviously it's not like a crazy jump. It's just something that I think is a bit of an overcorrection on the analyst part. And then also the, the supply chain issues that Ford has been dealing with lately. Um, I have a couple people that I've been talking to. One of them, um, owns a Ford dealership and the other ones work. A few of them are customers. Um, Ford is not moving vehicles. That's the other thing is they have a lot of back orders, but they're not actually completing orders. And if you know anything about the logistics of ordering a vehicle, you know that you can reserve a vehicle for a couple hundred bucks, um, sometimes even free. But, and then when you get the vehicle or when the vehicle gets delivered to the dealership, you go in, you pay the rest of it, blah, 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 whatever it is. Um, unless you order it, then ordering it, you have to do other stuff, but they're coming out with all these pre-order numbers, um, which I don't think is really is really um, going to impact their EPS and or revenue. So personally, I just think, I think there's a lot of, a lot of overcorrection on the guidance here. I think guidance went up a little bit too much. And I think the supply chain, the, the chips, the, the part shortages, I think that could have an issue. Um, and then the other thing is, is they've been coming out with a bunch of electric vehicle stuff, um, some, some PRs this week. And I think it's a fluff PR to push up their price right before, right before earnings. Um, I think it's something used to, to, you know, get people to go long. They come out with a, with a thing saying they're going to invest 30 million into electric vehicles right before earnings report. Everyone is looking at that as possibly the, you know, most bullish thing possible. Uh, they came out with the best PR ever. Like how could they miss earnings? They came out with that maybe because they have people close to them who want to, um, you know, liquidate a bit, or they have, you know, market makers who are watching all of this market makers probably know what's going to go on or have a good idea of what's going to go on. 
Uh, this PR comes out, market makers are going to take advantage. They don't want retail to win. And all the retail sentiment I'm seeing is bullish on Ford. You know, Jim Cramer's bullish. I went through stock tweets, Reddit and Twitter today of all the posts on Ford, Ford earnings, all that kind of stuff. I probably found I could count the amount of bearish ones on one hand. Like there are so many bullish um, tweets, Reddits, and I don't really see it with the supply chain. So I'm going to go against the grain. Um, short term, I'm going to say bearish on this. I'm going to say bullshit short term. Obviously, long term, I would want to go long on this. Uh, I'm probably going to put it in the IRA if it dips here on this this earnings. But I think bullshit on this earnings report. Um, have a gut feeling. My my analysis kind of paired up with it. And long term, I'm bullish. How are you doing? Or how you feeling about it, Ant? Um. Well, looking at it from like I don't know a technical perspective, but the thing with earnings, like one, their earnings are in after hours tomorrow. So from a technical standpoint, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. <clears throat> um, chart looks half decent. Um, you'd want to see it stay above twenty bucks, two hundred sitting sitting right on twenty. Um, at the moment, uh, like you were saying, has that head and shoulders on the daily. Um, so something to be aware of. Uh, in, in terms of what, what I think they're going to do with their earnings, um, like you were saying, what's the EPS 44? Yeah. Compared to 34 I, last, that's a last huge, year. That's a big jump. Um, yeah. and if they miss that, we've seen a lot of bad, we've seen a lot of crazy ERs the past couple of days. Um, and even things that have good earnings, they tank. I mean, they end up rebounding, but. Um, so I don't know. I, I would be a little bit hesitant because even, like I said, even if they do have good earnings, uh, see a lot of some puts overnight, um, those puts may get destroyed even if they have a good earnings, um, vice versa. You take calls there and they miss. We saw what happened with Facebook today, um, <laughs> which we're going to talk about in a second and that, so I don't I don't know. I would just be cautious too. Um, the other thing, Facebook has brought the whole market down after hours. I would be watching Big that time. tomorrow morning because that may really affect um, what we do tomorrow. Uh, so I'm neutral at the moment, honestly. Um, okay. I would have to look at the flow tomorrow. We were talking about this before. Um, look for any really big orders coming in on the flow, maybe some abnormalities in that because you may see um, some orders uh, with some people that maybe know something. Yeah. So, so neutral for me, honestly. Okay. Um, yeah, here comes, here comes Facebook. Here comes meta. Uh, they had that disastrous drop after hours today. I'm looking at my, my trading view and it shows they closed at three twenty three, and then after hours, two forty eight. Do you know if there was something specific like that caused that? I think they missed, and I think something came out that they said that they were seeing competition in the space. Something like they, mm. it was quoted, it was worded like they feared competition that they're seeing or something. I don't, I don't know. In the meta or something? Yeah, I don't know where I saw that, but um, it, it brought the whole market down. Um, it fell yeah. 80 points. Um, mm -hmm. so that's a problem. Um, and we may see this continue into tomorrow. This may bring the whole market down. Um, if we look at spy QQQ, they got smoked in after hours. Um, so something Big to keep time. in mind, VIX jumped a shit ton. 
Um, so right now on on Facebook, I'm I'm bullish headed into tomorrow. Normally, we see at least some kind of rebound in after hours, and this thing is has not rebounded at all. So, so you're bearish. Yeah, bearish into tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, I would say for me too, I'm probably bearish into tomorrow, but I'm not particularly a fan of Facebook's business, their company um, management. I don't really think it's worth the level that it's at right now, um, even after this 20% drop. So I would say for me, I wouldn't even be looking at buying this long-term. I know a lot of people were were talking on Twitter, like an IRA scoop. This is easy money, easy IRA scoop. It might be, but it's just, it doesn't fit my risk reward. I'm not going to say bullshit. Um, I don't know enough about this whole meta thing. We need to, we need to get somebody on to talk about the meta. Um, but I would say for me, I'm neutral leaning bullshit, neutral leaning bullshit. Um, what I got to say though, is this is really nasty for the market. This is not what we needed where we're at right now. We're kind of in a, we're still in a limbo. Spy is finally looking like it might want to reverse, but if, if Facebook pulls it down, I mean, like you said, it's down 80 points, down 20%. If it pulls Spy down tomorrow, it could, it could create some magnetism downward that, that Spy can't really um, compete with. And if it, if it brings it down tomorrow, we'd be looking at issues with, you know, possible head and shoulders let me go look at spy real quick if it brings it down tomorrow um i know never mind i completely lied it wouldn't be head and shoulders we would just be looking at testing that 200 again which you know was was a big issue in the past the past two weeks where we went below the 200 and then we struggled to get back above it and that's key level so if, if it brings it down you know what is that a few percent um you know, we'd be below that 200. And once we get below the 200, it was already tough enough to get back above it one single time. So it's, it's a big, it's a market. It's kind of a, a macro thing that's happening with Facebook right now. I did not expect to come back. I went to the store, I picked up some Valentine's day gifts for my girlfriend and I come home and Facebook is down 20% after hours. Yeah. And I expected them to like, say some stupid shit, like, you know, like I thought it was going to be based on like, we don't think the meta can survive, like something like that, like some crazy, like they're abandoning the whole meta thing that they took over. Like, I don't know how long ago that was a month, two months ago that they decided to change their entire platform to meta platforms. But I, I would say for sure, I'm not, I'm not loving the company. I don't love this whole meta thing. I'm not sure too much about it, like overall. So I'm going to say, bullshit but i'm more neutral on it i'm just kind of like all right this is a company um i don't really have that big of an opinion but i'll say i'll say bullshit just for the sake of the game i feel uh bad there was a million dollar order that came in at 350 today on facebook for tell me it was calls. 237 calls oh and there was oh. also one for 850k um they came at Holy the same time fuck. Were there puts? Were there people with puts? Somebody was selling puts and somebody was buying calls. Jeez, bro. So. I know that I thought that was a whale that banked on AMD yesterday. They had like nine, it was like a nine million dollar call yeah. sweep. Dude, yeah. that's that's when that's what you should look for in flow. And we'll talk about this in a if you see something so like a abnormality that just is jumping out of the screen at you like that, like somebody's really just throwing not ten mil. Like they know something, okay? I mean, for sure, for sure. 
there's always someone who knows something about stock, like about yeah. a stock. What is what's going to happen? That's why I'm so excited to see what Ford happens, you know, tomorrow, right before close. I'm going to text you to get the flow like five, 10 minutes before close, maybe, you know, 30 minutes before close, just get updates on it. Cause I'm so interested. I'm going to take lotto puts, but I'm going to take them, you know, right before close. I'm not going to fuck with any type of, you know, decay or yeah. any type of stuff like that. It's, so hard with, take them... it's tough with after hours, like I was saying, because you take puts, say you take puts and it, it tanks, but rebounds before the next yep, the day next, opens. I mean, the there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And there's the, there's the aspect of earnings, which that, that's why this is a complete lotto. I was telling the people in my discord, um, play with less than one fourth or one half of your profits for the week. Like just literally cut it into your profits. And if you lose 80% of it, it's not that big of a deal. Cause it's profit. Yeah. Um, but I was saying, um, the thing is, is with, with earnings, they could absolutely bomb earnings. Like it could be exactly what I expect where there was an overcorrection of guidance. They miss earnings. And, and then, you know, they, they host their call and their call says something about like, we want to partner with Rivian, some bullshit like yeah. that. Or we want to partner. We're, we're going to talk to this big company for this, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, bam, they're back up to even. And then, you know, they're green right before the bell. And then the bell hits and I'm losing money on a bad earnings that I knew exactly what was going to happen. That's the issue with, with uh, options. But, you know, lottos yeah. will be lottos. Yeah, that's, that's just what you got to understand. Like a lotto is a lotto for a reason. Just go small and literally expect to lose that money. And it is what it is. You may get surprised. Yeah, that's what I was saying is I was – I was also saying the the risk reward on on these these calls or these puts these puts I'm gonna take sorry, um, is somewhere it's like a crazy you know crazy crazy percentage it's it's I might lose eighty because I'm taking ones from next week so it's not gonna go hundred percent down there's gonna be some time left which is worth a little bit of money, um, so like there's an eighty percent um, risk I could lose eighty percent of that if if you know Ford pops off but if poor if Ford bombs it. And Ford, you know, goes down a couple percent after hours and holds that into the next day, maybe even, you know, 4%, 5%. Then we're talking like two, 300, even, even maybe even higher than that percentage wise for, for reward. So the risk reward is there. The risk reward is not trash. It's 80% loss to 300% gain is or 200 to 300% gain. That's the risk reward we're talking about here. It's yeah. a high risk reward. It's just, um, it's just much riskier than most risk rewards because most risk rewards I play are, you know, I could lose 5%, but I'm going to gain 20%. So 5% loss doesn't look like much. 80% loss, it looks like a big number, but it is what it is. It's a lot of, that's how it works. Yeah. You lose 80 or you gain 300 and you don't really, you don't bitch about it. Then you go into the weekend and you don't even think about it again because it was such a small percentage of your account that you lost if you lose it. Or, you know, you got some extra booze money for the weekend. You take your girlfriend out, you get a steak, you get some, you know, Dijon aioli with that. You don't, you get some broccoli and you don't get the normal broccoli. You get the broccoli that's got all the fixings that's on it, you know, that kind of shit. And, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah. all right. Our last one is ARK. A-R-K-K. The Kathy Woods special. Um, everyone has been piling into S-A-R-K, which is the inverse of ARK, because ARK has, you know, famously dropped so much in the past. What is this? Um, the past year. I'll just say the past year that they're percentage gain is now less than warren buffett who warren buffett is known for being you know one of those investors who is really long game slow paced long game um 
and Kathy Wood, or is that her name, Kathy Wood? Yeah. Okay, I didn't want to sound like an idiot. <laughs> um, but Kathy Wood, she's known for being like one of those like crazy like forward thinkers. Like she took like PLTR. She knew that 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 motherfucker was gonna explode. Like she's just known for like kind of just being that technologically forward thinking um, investor who gets gains quick. Like I think in 2020. Let's see what she did. 2020, she started with $60, $60 share price, ended 2020 with 138, 100% gains in one year. Pretty solid. Granted, 2020 was crazy year. Actually, that's yeah. way more than pretty solid. I shouldn't even say pretty solid. That's fucking nuts. Um, but regardless, she's down now. Um, I'm going to go pull up her top holdings. What do you think of the chart technically while I'm doing that? Um, Technically, the chart doesn't look great. Um, I mean, this thing's been in a downtrend for a long ass time. Um, technically the chart doesn't look great. Um, I think it closed under the 9 EMA today after closing above it yesterday, still trapped under the 20. <clears throat> um, I, the, the problem with the problem with it now is it's kind of in no man's land. Um, I mean, it has some support. Uh, I think a new 52 week low was made the 27th um at like 64 so i mean it still has some room i, I think it closed today at 73 bucks if it breaks below 64 um shit could hit the fan uh, yeah so technically it does not look great at all um and if we kind of see a lot of downward pressure tomorrow due to like this facebook thing um i won't be surprised if this thing in the next couple trading sessions uh makes a new low yeah. So I'm bearish on this. Okay. Dude, Facebook is absolutely blowing me out of the water. I can't believe it's yanking the market. Like I, like, I understand and I see why it is, but it's just crazy how much one company, like imagine if this happened to Tesla. Imagine if Tesla was down 20% after hours. Yeah. Fucking Lucid would be down probably 25, maybe, maybe a little less, maybe 15. But then tomorrow, if it continued, all of those EVs would just be in the ground. Man, that's nuts. So Facebook, Facebook going down like that. I could not, I did not expect that at all. Especially like, even if they like didn't beat, I didn't expect them to go down 20%. It's nuts. Yeah, I don't um, know if it was because they said about the competition or what. I, I don't know what it was. Yeah. And then I also saw that like the entire meta sector was like getting smacked with it. All like it was tech. Yeah. All of tech was taking a little bit of a hit, but yeah. that's crazy. Um, so I'm looking at the holdings here. I'll read off about the top five or ten. Tesla, Teladoc, Zoom, Roku, Coinbase, Exact Science Corporation, Unity, Spotify. Um, that's the top eight. Um, so I'm just gonna look look at what I think on each of them. Tesla, uh, I think it needs a bit of a correction. Teladoc, I'm bullish. Zoom, bearish. Roku, middle of the road. Coinbase bullish on exact sciences no idea unity um bullish spotify average um spotify so say, fell bad today with facebook yeah it did i also know that they've been dealing with some some shit with that joe rogan thing did you hear about that no what happened um oh yeah dude spotify dropped bad 10 percent. yeah um it was because Joe Rogan was like spreading misinformation of some sort. Um, he, which like, 
I understand to a point he was just, he was having people on who were saying things that certain singers didn't like. Um, we don't have to get into it cause it's kind of political and I don't want our viewers to feel like we're, we're yeah. talking politics on here, but basically it was, it was some singers moved their music off of Spotify because of Joe Rogan's like comments of the people on his um, podcast. And then Spotify came out and said like, we, like basically just didn't do anything. They said like, we support Joe Rogan. He's staying on. If you want to take your music off, take your music off, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, that's what happened. But Spotify is down quite a bit. I actually, I use Spotify. I think that's a fucking awesome service. But um, I would say for S or for ARC, I'm kind of bearish for the short term. Uh, maybe long term, I'm more bullish. Like I think I think Tesla, Teladoc, um Coinbase, Roku, Unity, Spotify all have a really, really high place in the future. But I just think overall, a lot of these are overvalued at the moment, Tesla in particular, and that's 8% of, of ARK's account. So I'm going to say bullshit. I'm going to say it has a little more room to fall. Um, I think, let me look at the, like you were saying, 64 is that key level. And if it breaks 64, then it's looking, you know, there's a lot of room down to 60 and then, you know, 50 let's look at that yeah there's so it's 60 and then after 60 man it's like all the way down at like 49 yeah. and some crazy levels but i would say i would say bullshit for now for me i just i don't see the the holdings being bullish for for the time being there's a lot of things in there that have been propped up long term since that that massive run because what we're seeing right now in my opinion in this market is we went like this and then you know how sometimes you just you just overshoot. I think we overshot a bit. Like like Tesla overshot a little fucking bit. And by a little fucking bit, I mean like 25, 30%. So not a little fucking bit, a big percent. Like I think we overshot. We like we we have that momentum going. Like a penny stock will do this exact movement. It'll it'll run and then it'll run a little too far for its actual value. And so it'll come right back down. And I think that's what we're doing with the market right now. I think we overshot where we needed to be. Like we 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 ran so fast after that 2020 COVID crash that now we're finally kind of averaging out and coming to where we need to be. Yeah, like if you look at SPY right now, SPY's gapping down still. Yeah. Um. So this is going to be a... I mean, I don't like to say this is going to be a problem because I like trading whatever. Um, but for all those people that were saying, oh, time to start swings, blah, 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 the same bullshit that everybody says after couple green days um especially that dude that grabbed those million dollar calls on facebook uh yeah you fucked up bud yeah (laughs) that's not gonna go well um but yeah as as we speak um what time is it seven o'clock spy's still gapping down so yeah what's it down a percent right now a percent and a fourth 1.25 maybe it's down six points yeah back i mean i know where it started today dude spy has a pretty sexy double bottom right now <laughs> from right at 428 429 that's a pretty solid double bottom 430 yeah on the on the daily but um we need to hold this 200 the 200 if we break this 200 again this is this is on my commonly trade if we break above a key resistance and then we you know break back down below it i consider that pretty 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 bearish so if we were to if we already came down below the 200 if we we broke above it 
if we bust below it again and then confirm that we're below it again, that's pretty bearish to me. The fact that the uh, the bulls had a or the bears had a, enough strength to push back below that key key um, key level, pretty pretty bearish to me. Because um, what that's telling me is on a bigger time frame. So if I was looking at this spy chart and it was on like a five minute. Um, I would know that like on a 15 or 30 minute that if they push it back below, that's going to be a massive, massive like tombstone candle. It's going to be a kill candle. Like it's going to be one of those where the wick is so high on the, on the, on the upside that it's just showing the seller pressure that's happening and the buying pressure, not being able to keep up with it. But there's I don't a know. Big, we're not here to talk about spy. <laughs> there's a big gap in the volume shelf too. Um, down to like 450. So we'll see mm -hmm. what happens tomorrow. Yep. And I mean, after, dude, after 4.30, we're so lucky we held 4.30 because if below 4.30, dude, there's like 4.20 and then we've got momentum. You could see it like after we get momentum because there's, if we were to break below 4, 4.30, like like a good break below 4.30, we didn't have a good break below 4.30. We had a break and then a, a suck back up. If we were to break below 4.30 like strongly, we would see 4.25 easy and then there would be fucking cruising down to 400. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll see tomorrow. This is this is like the beauty of, I mean, when you're all cash, I mean, at the end of each day, it doesn't matter what happens, so...